Okay. You might be seeing me, but I have to make sure that the YouTube stream itself is working. Give me just a second, please. Yeah. And we'll do it. Here we are. And the aristocrats. Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Luke Thomas. This is my UFC 239 post-fight special. Hope you're doing well. Very much appreciate you joining me here this evening. Uh, as always, if you don't want spoilers, now is the time to get out of here. So, uh, spoilers incoming, analysis incoming, results incoming, your questions incoming, a whole lot of things incoming. Let's get it going. All right. Hope you are doing well. Thank you so much for joining me, as I mentioned before. I really appreciate it. Okay, UFC 239 is in the books. couple of notes here for today's show. All right. Subscribe right now to the channel, as I've been saying since day one. Uh, well, that's not true. But as I've been saying recently, once I get to 100,000 subscribers, I will launch my own podcast. Donate in the Super Chat. Folks like, what do we do donate for? That money goes... Uh, to a account that I save everything for. Here is the next iteration in that. This is the Sony um, A6400. Here's what this does. It allows for a viewfinder on the front. So, let's see if you can see here a little bit. You can see the setup that I have. What you're looking at here is my, I paid for it out of my own pocket, my Sony um, uh, A7 III which is much more, but the point being is this is what it goes to. So we have a two-camera sh uh, shoot going. I had Eric Kerner in my house on Friday. We did another shoot this time. If you looked at it before, we actually had uh, this shot, and then we had two GoPros for the side shots. Now we have all straight Sony for all of that. Plus, it allows me to do more interesting vlogging. It allows me to do a shitload more. It comes from... Sorry, it comes from these donations. That is exactly where it comes from. So people ask, what's the value in that? That is the value. The value is it literally expands my production capacity to a non-negligible degree. I really rely on it and I'm really like, I, I don't take one penny of it for granted. So if you donate in the Super Chat, I will answer your question at the very end of this. Uh, last but certainly not least, um, if you want to train and you're visiting my hometown of Washington, D.C. You should go to the Beta Academy at the corner of 14th uh, Street and Florida Avenue. There is Muay Thai there. There's BJJ there. There's strength and conditioning there. Tell them that old Uncle Luke sent you. Yes? Okay. Very good. Let's make sure my text messages aren't off the charts tonight, and they're not. Thank God. Okay. Um, well, let's say this about UFC 239 to start, shall we? Outside of the main event, which was bit of a dud, if we can be honest. Right up until that point, <laughs> UFC 239 was amazing. A very good card. Now, the prelims, whatever, it had its moments um, on both the uh, Fight Pass and ESPN portion. Um, but the main card was just phenomenal. We're going to get to the Ben Askren and Jorge Masvidal stuff. We'll get to the Diego Sanchez stuff. We'll get to the Luke Rockhold stuff. We'll get to the Amanda Nunes stuff. Let us start with that main event with John Jones. I have a couple of theories about it that I'd like to share. So let's get to the results as it were. Um, okay, so very, very interesting result. John Jones retains his title 
at UFC 239, but via split decision. I'm looking at this. It's the first time he's had a split decision in his career period. Now, you, you might have said he deserved one against Alexander Gustafson the first time at UFC 165, but he didn't get one there. God, it's hot as balls with these lights in here. Sorry, I'm sweating like a whore in church. Um, so, um, Tiago Santos took one of the judges' scorecards in favor of a challenger for the first time in John Jones's career. How did I score? I had it 48-47 Jones, but I think a 48-47 Santos card would have been utterly justifiable. I did not really think this was a strong performance from John at all. I understood why he said what he said, which was this guy was way more technical, which I believe. Uh, that this guy was way better and tougher than I thought, which I can believe. Like I don't in any way think Santos is some kind of walk in the park for anybody. He's a very, very tough customer. And you always have to remember that whenever these guys like a Tiago Santos or an Anthony Smith or whoever, when they finally ascend to that level where they're fighting John Jones, dude, that's the biggest night of their life. And some of those guys wilt in those situations, but some don't. Some really rise to the occasion. That's the moment they've been building for all their life, and they have no idea if they'll ever get back there again if they don't take advantage of that moment. Like, is Anthony Smith going to get another light heavyweight title shot? Maybe, right? Because the Gustafson win put him there, but, like, is that any kind of guarantee? Nope. Tiago Santos, what's going to happen next? Could he get a title shot? Like, as long as John is there, may- maybe, maybe. Like, but you, like, here's the point. Like, it's hardly any kind of situation where it's, like, heavyweight, whereas you know, string together two, three wins, you know, say something interesting in the media, you're right back on it, right? It's not like that at all. Uh, Even though light heavyweight is still pretty, actually very thin, it still doesn't... Look, Tiago Santos is how old? Let me tell you, he is 35 years old. He's 35 years old, this is his first UFC title shot. You think he thinks he's going to get one in another six months? It doesn't work that way. Like, so these guys, man, the, they're the, the right ones. When this night comes, dude, they are on their A game. And I really thought, short of the injury, I really liked what he was doing. He was not overly relying on the blitz. He was allowing Jones to come to him to a degree. Um, really going after the leg kicks. You had you saw John Jones having to be escorted out. He was going for the outside calf kick, the inside thigh kick. Like, he was in the cut kick. Like, he was getting after it. And that was a very, very good strategy. You wonder why... More guys don't do it. John doesn't do a ton of checking on this one. So you look at this fight, you look at the uh, Anthony Smith fight, you don't want to be overly declarative, right? Because you look at the Gustafson fight before that, and between the 214 fight against Cormier the second time, and then the 232 fight against Gustafson the second time, Man, that might have been the best two-fight two stretch for John Jones ever. And I know some folks are like, oh, well, Cormier was winning the second fight against Jones. So he was, he was definitely doing better than he was in the first fight. And But I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I don't really buy that. I thought that John was doing the better of those two. My, my point being is like he, he went the distance with Cormier the first time, then he crushed him inside three. He went the distance last time with Gustafson, and then he crushed him inside three. It's like... um. These were there was a clear improvement over time in his mechanics, in his shot selection, in understanding of of ring or cage generalship. Like it was just a way better performance. And then the Anthony Smith fight was sort of curiously long, and then this one was curiously long again. Not in the sense that Santos wasn't dangerous or a credible challenger, but rather. 
injured and John didn't wrestle. So he's gone 50 minutes, 5-0, with Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos. Um, part of me feels like John's risk management is better than it's ever been. Part of me feels like that risk management is somewhat tied to his age. John's 31 years old. Now, everyone's going to be like, oh, well, Santos is 35 and John's only 31. Right, but John's been fighting at a high level for more than a decade. Like, that's a long... And I know he's had long breaks, but that's a long time to be doing this at this level, man. Like, MMA has this weird relationship to the, the notion of what someone's prime is. Man, like, if you're 30 in tennis, you're old as shit. Now, I don't think John's... Uh, he, he won tonight, for crying out loud. Like, the dude is beating generation after generation after generation of light heavyweights. But my only point being is, uh, I don't know, and I want to be very clear about this. I, I am not declaring to you, John's age is the source of the problem here. It's not what I'm suggesting. What I am suggesting is, I think it's something we should pay attention to going forward. Going forward, let's see if it was just him being prudent which, by the way, very well could have been. Let's see if it was him piggybacking off that same prudence against a guy like Anthony Smith for all the reasons I just mentioned. Like, they don't know when the next title shot is going to come, if ever. So on that night, they're going to show up. And so if, as a consequence, he's a lot more cautious about what he risks losing if he really opens up. And so that might explain everything. On the other hand, I am not entirely ready to discount the idea that age is an irrelevant factor here. It might be irrelevant, but I think it's worth considering going forward. He, he um, again, he's a smarter fighter than he's ever been, but he, he I don't know, there was a little bit of a reluctant, reluctance to pull the trigger. There was a little bit of, a, a, he doesn't quite move, he moves nimbly, but not quite as nimbly as he once did. And again, some of that might be his decision to not, engage as much as before for all the prudence aforementioned but i don't know i don't know i don't know it's worth paying attention to so we'll see we'll see what happens who, who he's going to fight next we'll see what happens with cormier i mean cormier has to get past stipe we'll see what happens with that but i can see why john might at this juncture be a little bit hesitant about going to heavyweight where um some of the athletic advantages he enjoys because he is still nimble, like those flying knees. Like he gets up there, and the you know the turning back kicks and uh, the spinning heel kicks, he can still do them pretty effectively, or at least he can threaten them a little bit. Would he lose some of that at heavyweight? I'm not sure that that was the case. I I, I can see why he's hesitant. I can I, I before I was like ah he's just playing coy and it's all negotiation, and I'm sure negotiation is a big component there, but at the same time now I'm kind of like. Uh... I can sort of see that for a little bit, man. These it, remember, it's not it's not the age 31, 35, 40, 45. It's the miles. And again, I don't think John has a ton of miles. It, it sounds like I'm making it all about to be the age. And I, I don't mean to necessarily suggest that. What I what I'm what I'm trying to say is I don't want folks to discount the reality of somebody who was an apex and is an apex level athlete and what any kind of decline, even if it's very small, might still mean for their game. Can't say that that's a factor if the reality is this is just uh, an extraordinary amount of prudence uh, 
on the part of somebody who wants to be a 20-time champion. Like, why risk it against somebody who's got, like, vicious knockout power when the goal is, I got to get to 14, which I think you got to tonight, 13 or 14. And then 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I mean, it's a lot more work you have to get done. So maybe prudence is in order. Nevertheless, I don't know, man. Like, one feels like if you can finish off Shogun inside, how long did he finish off Shogun? I can't remember at this point. Inside three rounds. You know, Tiago Santos is a better fighter in terms, in the sense of, uh, certainly he's better now, but he has a more modern game. Right, he he's a more modern fighter from a more modern game to to a degree anyway. Um, something to something something to think about going forward. So what went right for John? Um, okay, how does John throw strikes? Since he didn't really wrestle in this one, John is the master of single shot high variance. I talked about it on Twitter. I talked about it on the Monday morning. Excuse me, the Monday morning analyst. Half a million times. He doesn't throw a ton of combinations. What he does is he throws one shot, whatever it was. Let's say it's a left hook. The next punch or the next strike is almost guaranteed to come from the opposite side. And more than that, it might come from a different level. So he might throw a left hook, then a right teep to the gut, then a left flying knee, then a right overhand, then a left uppercut. Like it alternates side to side, top to bottom all the time. And then the timing's a little bit different. He will throw occasional strikes together, but not all the time. Um, so it's really a lot of, it, uh, the majority of it is single shot high variance. Bop, 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 bop. So it's just hard for you to get a pattern on it. Now he must have a pattern in his mind, or at least some way to identify shot selection, but he's really, really good at that. You saw some of it, with, but it was just these huge like pregnant pauses in between one Beat, 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 beat the other one. And the other one would get blocked or halfway land or whatever. Um, in the clinch, he had, I think, Santos covered up a lot. So that would be a benefit to him. But I think he had some trouble landing. He was I saw him going for like lunging elbows. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Will Brooks tweeted me saying he thought that the that perhaps the reason why maybe John didn't shoot more was the inside of his leg was torn up from those kicks, which is true. But I would have thought, okay, fair enough, fair point, right? Those like Santos kicks like a fucking mule. Nevertheless, I would have thought that he would have gone for the takedown like right away, not right away, like as like I'm going to run across like Jorge did to Ben Askren, but like within pretty short order, establish the takedown because. On the ground, it's not like he's not strong, Santos. But the ground and pound of John Jones is like phenomenal. It's really phenomenal. So, I don't know. This was a curious one for me. It raises a bunch of questions where, to a degree at this point where I'm speaking to you now, the answers are entirely unknowable. And so it would lead, I think, in my part, to some degree of fair speculation, probably to a degree of unfair speculation. But it, it was a really, really speculative one. The only thing that really stands out to me about this fight that felt so unsatisfying is like, Tiago Santos was injured for a pretty considerable portion of this fight. Was it the third round or the second round or so where he was injured and still couldn't put him away? I, that stands out to me as a little bit as noteworthy. As noteworthy. And again, could be a very good explanation for that, which is that even that as injured as Santos might have been, um, he's still so good that John just had to acknowledge the threat. Okay, all right. 
that sounds like a possible explanation. On the other hand, it's like, I don't know, man. You had a guy who had a super fucked up knee and you, <laughs> we'll have to see. There's, there's no way to know the answers to the questions I'm posing until the next one, two, three, or uh, three fights are held. Um, and then I guess we can get a better sense of things about who that's going to be, when that's going to be, what John looks like at that point. But um, certainly this was not this was not one of those nights where you felt like you got the upper bound limit of what John Jones has shown before. Like this, I, that did not feel like what we got. And and maybe that's because a guy like Santos, it's like, it, which one is it? Is it because you got somebody who is. Uh, not at the peak of their powers anymore, or is it a situation where you get like a Valentina Shevchenko versus an Amanda Nunes where you go watch that fight? Is that like peak Amanda Nunes? Nope. Is that peak Valente- uh, Valentina Shevchenko? Nope. So it's just really hard to know which one you're getting there. Um, but that was a weird one, man. That was a really weird one. I did not. That one rate, that one. The, the, for me, and maybe the mileage on this one might vary for you, this is the first fight in a... Even with the St. Peru fight, I didn't feel this way. Because the St. Peru fight, I was like, well, that wasn't John's best fight, but St. Peru was coming in on short notice. And John easily won all five of those rounds. Dude, he he won this one by the skin of his teeth. And... Um, it's This is a different one. This is this is feels to me like either aberrant and then we're going to rebound to the norm or not aberrant and this is a trend of things to come. It feels like one of those potential fork in the road moments and there's no way to know which side of the fork we're on um, just because there's not enough information to, to, to really make that kind of determined, you know, um, uh, clear call. And I know what some folks are going to say. They're going to say, oh, it's got some issue to do with PEDs. Yeah, maybe. If you, I mean, I don't know what to think about that stuff anymore. You guys know me, like I had the whole beef with Chael and said it there. I'll say it again. Like I don't, I don't. To me, none of that stuff matters. I think that, um, I think that a huge portion of fighters either do use PEDs or have used PEDs, and then trying to sort who benefited from them and what degree as a consequence is uh, virtually impossible, if not outright um, almost ludicrous to even try. I'm sure many of you disagree with that. That's okay. But um, that's just that's just what I mean. I think that's what the evidence pretty clearly shows. And uh, so I don't that, that kind of stuff doesn't really, doesn't really bother me too much for the most part anyway. I mean, there's can be there can be exceptions along the way, but um, I think there might be bigger ways to identify factors that are explaining what happens here. But with, until we, that happens in the future, I don't really know. Uh, we'll come back to the main event. It, it was the main event was hardly the crown jewel of this card. So speaking of that, let's go to the crown jewel of this card, or at least, actually, I would say the second crown jewel of this card, second best crown jewel. Uh, Amanda Nunes defeating Holly Holm via TKO head kick, four ten of the first round. Dude, Amanda Nunes is the baddest, is the baddest <laughs> mf'er on this planet. Uh, okay, she stopped Holly Holm in a round, Ronda Rousey in a round, Cyborg in a round, like. What a ridiculously talented person. And then also beat Shevchenko twice. Now, I personally scored the second fight for Valentina. The first fight, I did not. But for the second one, I did. But okay, I got I, you know I don't have a vote. And even if I was, I'd be outvoted, right? The judges had it a, a different way. Holy shit, man. Like, there's nobody in the women's side 
and, and there's going to be a lot of dudes who can't even compare to have a resume like this as well, who have resumes like that. 18 and four, man, these are her, uh, these are her stoppage wins. And I, I mentioned, excuse me, just on uh, the, the UFC side, who she had stopped. If you actually count strike force from 2011, which I can't remember what the date of the purchase anymore, but she stopped Julia Budd, who's the current featherweight champion at Strikeforce, via KO uh, in the first round in 14 seconds. Keep that in mind. She did lose to Alexis Davis, for whatever that's worth. But uh, then she beats Raquel Pauli, Pauluhi, however you pronounce it. I can't pronounce it properly. She beats her uh, via technical submission rear naked choke. Uh, then beats Sheila Gaff, TKO. Jermaine Durandamy, TKO. By the way, Jermaine Durandamy... Uh, known as the Iron Lady, one of the most decorated Muay Thai champions in the women's side ever. Then you have Shayna Baszler. She stops TKO leg kick. She couldn't get up and continue. Sarah McMahon, she submitted via rear naked choke. The Shevchenko fight, you know, uh, the first one, was, I won't say close, but um, obviously she didn't finish her. Misha Tate, bodied and then submitted. Ronda Rousey, TKO. Valentina Shevchenko won via split decision the second time. And again, I, I I had it for Valentina, but whatever. Raquel Pennington TKO. Chris Cyborg KO. And then Holly Holm TKO. How'd she do it? Of course, I thought the commentary crew did actually a really good job of explaining it. Fainted. Got a reaction. Once the reaction happened, put her in a defenseless position. Threw the, uh, the head kick. It scored. Dropped her. Came over with the hands and polished her off, dude. Who is going to beat that woman now? Maybe Cyborg can try a different time and have more success, but like on what level? Cyborg, the new Cyborg, by the way, talking about age and how it's really sort of affected somebody, Cyborg is not the same fighter she was 10 years ago. That's not her fault. That's just the reality of things. Um, she's still deadly. She could still beat very, very good fighters, but can she beat Amanda Nunes? I don't know. I think it would require her to really... like. How do you beat Amanda Nunes if she's not tired? How do you how do you do that? I don't understand. I, I like I don't I don't get how that's possible because if she is not tired, her feints, her accuracy, her power, her uh, ability to make reads are are next to uh, none. Man, she is utterly peerless in that regard. So I thought that Holmes' best chance would be to get um, would be to get Amanda to move forward into her and then counter and move. But in the end, you know what's amazing to me? I, I've spoken to uh, Eugene Behrman. Eugene Behrman's the guy that runs City Kickboxing out of New Zealand. Shouts to all the boys and the uh, the talented fighters out of uh, City Kickboxing in New Zealand, and he has made a point to me very clearly. He was like, do, do you think that we think that we're the best grapplers on the planet here in New Zealand? Like, we've got, well, we can just go to Brazil and just out-grapple these guys? Like, no, of course we don't think that. Now, we, we can hold our own. We can do pretty well. We Maybe even, like, we're good, but we're not best in the world at that. But what we what they think they're best in the world at, and, and I think they might be right, certainly worthy of consideration, is fainting. I've talked about this many times. They believe under there are two considerations to 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 pay attention to. One, if X fighter faints more than Y fighter, X fighter should generally win. Not always, but generally. Uh, if both fighters faint the same amount, but X fighter faints in a better way than Y fighter, then X fighter should win. What's better, 
that it's more varied, that the timing is different, that they can't you can't get a read on the faints. They believe fainting is key to everything. They believe that that is what sets up all the stuff, and they think that what the what they have on the rest of the world right now is that they are more active fainters and that they are better fainters than everybody else. It's not the grappling, it's not the wrestling, it's not the cardio. They can do well in those things. That's not the advantage that they have. They think that the advantage they have is the fainting. Here you see that kind of thing in motion. Who was the better fainter tonight? Pretty clearly Amanda Nunes. Uh, I think she was the more active fainter too. I saw Holly not doing a ton of fainting. Some, but not like... And again, not even the volume of fainting, but like how effective it was. She might have been doing more of the fainting, but I didn't... It just didn't... It seemed ineffectual. Uh, in large part, so I, 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 it's hard. Yes, you should count that if we're actually counting, you know, the number of faints. But um, but it, but it was the quality, the quality of faints. Amanda Nunes's qualities were so good, and that's what does that come from? It comes from the fact that she is known as a power puncher. It's come from the fact that she's known as a uh, a KO threat at all times. It's known from the fact that she's rangy. It's known from the fact that she can just do a lot. So you have to really take, and also on the ground, you know, black belt in jiu-jitsu and physically strong and like the whole nine yards. You have to take any threat from her super seriously. And so uh, if you can really take someone like that and get them good at fainting, good fainting, good timing on it, good disguising, camouflaging. This game, like the blitzing of somebody who just throws KO shots, you know, like a Tiago Santos, like that's um, that's fun to watch and it creates for great highlight reels and to a degree there's a real danger to that but like the next level to the game the next level to the game is camouflage that's really where the next level comes in because Tiago Santos could not be John Jones and and why that is a lot of different answers but he couldn't uh that level of opponent even if they're super engaged in risk management or maybe a little bit older or whatever the answer is, they are dealing with a, a, a higher level, a, a higher order of sophistication. You have, to, you have to get them on camouflage. You have to make them think one thing is happening and then go the other way. And you have to do that not once probably, but many, many times. You have to really, really be very good at that kind of thing. I'm told that from people who've trained with like Adesanya, going right to city kickboxing, that you know he's got a ton of different feints, and they they don't look the same, and they mean different things, and the timing on them is different, the rhythm on them is different. Now, whether he can execute that against Robert Whitaker, your guess is as good as mine. But um, Amanda Nunes tonight was the reason why she won is does she hit hard? Yes, she hits hard. Uh, is she a just a deadly finisher. Yes, she's a deadly finisher. Is it all set up from the fact that she is an expert now, at least anyway, an expert fainter who got a credentialed boxer and kickboxer and MMA fighter uh, to either bite on it or be fooled by it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much, man. Pretty much. That is That is the next level. That's when we talk about like, oh, there's levels to this shit. That's the level. That's the level right there. It's it's one thing to be a physical bruising marauder who just kind of barrels down on somebody. Because you'll beat a lot of different guys that way. But the higher order, 
level opponent you want in all likelihood. Um, you got to get camouflage involved, man. You got to get a ghillie suit up in that bitch. And, uh, and that's what Amanda Nunes has, man. She got the ghillie suit. She has the sniper's ghillie suit. She, you know, she is hiding in the brush and then waits for the perfect time and then, and then pulls the trigger a little bit there. Right. So, so that's was uh, incredible. And then you look at her resume. I, I this there like there. I know there was some debate like who is the the goat because you're trying to measure like, well, it, you know, who had the best resume given what was available to them at the time and, and that kind of a thing. And the Shevchenko wins to me are the only part of her resume where you're like, I know she's got losses to Zingano and uh, some other ones, but to me, it's like who would you favor in the rematch at this point, right? Like. The, it's the Shevchenko ones to me where you're like, who could still give her a run for her money? You would have to imagine Shevchenko at 135 could still give her a run for her money. You would, you would have to think that, right? So, um, But short of that, man, like she finished Holly Holm, Chris Cyborg, Ronda Rousey inside of a fucking round. Dude, that is just like, <laughs> it's the most ridiculous. She finished Chris Cyborg at 51 seconds. She finished Holly Holm at 4.10. She finished the two of them basically in a round. Like, and then you add uh, Ronda Rousey, how long did she last? 48 seconds. You know what I mean? Like, just a, just absurd. An absurd, an absurd run through some who we thought were the very best in that division. Shevchenko is the only one where if they can get her to go back up to 135 at some point and, 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 and find a way to sell that, I think that might be a path forward, but short of her, man, who on earth beats her? I do not know. I do not know. Too powerful, too skilled, too clever, too in the zone, too calm, too well-trained, too diverse. All the liabilities that she had, they don't seem to be apparent anymore. And this was the woman who everyone accused of being like, oh, she pulled out a fight because she had the sniffles, you know? And now look at her. Just out here, just bodying all the people who don't have sniffles. So what does that tell you about the sniffles? Right? Amazing. An amazing job by her. Truly ridiculously good job. Um, she's the GOAT. Uh, it, it will be a long time before you see anybody match the kind of ability she has. It'll be a long time. And resume on the women's side. It'll be a very long time. It, uh, her run is a little bit John Jones esque ish, which uh, which I know I'm using the esque and the ish at the same time. Here's what I mean: when John was coming through that division uh, in his first sort of real big push through it, he was beating a lot of people who were like the old. And when I say old, they were not actually old, but they were the uh, um, what do you want to call it? Established guard. Right, so the Shoguns, the Rampages, the Rashads, the Bonners, the you name it. And so uh, the Machidas. And so a lot of people were like, oh, well, he's sort of beating up on the people who were the were, were the previous establishment. Okay, fine, but that's what you're supposed to do if you're the young up-and-comer. You're the, you're, the, you're the guy who's supposed to go through and beat all those guys. And so like, I always find that criticism really hollow because that was the very job he was tasked with doing. There's been this established order come through and un, and upset it, and he did. Um, she's doing something like that. There was this Tate, Holm, Rousey, Cyborg, and everyone kind of thought that they were the, the bee's knees, and she came through and wiped the floor with all of them, stopped all the ones I just mentioned. 
you know, amazing. Shevchenko's the only one that wears a bit of a wrench in the plans. And again, the Zingano loss, of course, can't take that away from her. But, but, but you get the idea. Like there was this established order, and she came through and just sliced through it, like a like a ginsu with a like she had a ginsu blade. Man, amazing, really amazing. All right. Um, as mentioned before, let me do this again. God damn, I can't see shit up in here. Here we go. Subscribe. Donate, right? Okay. Salute. All right. Let's get to it, shall we? Whoo! How about this one? <laughs> Whoa! Um, holy shit. Jorge Masvidal defeats Ben Askren via KO flying knee at 5 seconds of the very first round. What do you want to say about this? Um, first of all, fastest KO in UFC history, number one. Ben marches across. Jorge had dude, Jorge had that bit going where he puts his hands behind his back, the same one he had when he walked up to like uh, Leon Edwards, and then the same one where uh, um, he had when like Ben was coming through the hotel and all that shit. Where it's like, I'm not going to hit you, but like if you fuck with me even a little bit, you're going to get set on fire, you know? Anyway, comes off the fence like that and then runs across and does the, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of names for it. Shuffle knee, switch knee, double knee. Like there's many different names for it. What, what's the task there? The task is that you think um, you get the wrestler or whoever to duck a certain way and then you can either intercept them on the same side or you get them to go to the wrong side and then you switch at the end, which he had him ducking to the same side, but he just intercepted it with the uh, with the knee. Knocked him out to the point where he was stiffened and fell to the floor. And then, did y'all see the punches? I want to make sure I can see myself here. Did y'all see the punches he was throwing to finish him off? He was, how, how do I explain it? Like, he wasn't, there wasn't mechanical motion in the shoulder or the elbow or the wrist, it was almost like he was slamming a door where it was like this. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like, um, it was, it was this, and they were fast too. Like they were hammering him. I think he only landed two before Jason Herzog got in there. So thank God Herzog got in there as fast as he did. Cause Ben looked to be in a bad way. In fact, I believe he was transported to the hospital. So, uh, obviously I hope Ben's okay, but this is the game they're in, and, and, and it's it's not that you don't feel sympathy for somebody who has to go to the hospital. Yes, of course you do. But, like, Ben knows what game he's playing. He doesn't need me to play paternalistic, you know, media member for him. He's playing a game of high-risk, high-reward. And the high-reward is that if you get in there and you talk a bunch of smack and you go and you beat Robbie Lawler, and let's say he had beaten Jorge Masvidal, man, he would have come out looking like, a million dollars. He would have absolutely leapt over Colby Covington, I, th I really believe, for the title shot. But he didn't. He got KO'd the fastest that anyone's ever been KO'd in UFC history, irrespective of weight class. And he did so in, or he got KO'd in absolutely devastating fashion. That is the high risk. The high risk is that when you talk that kind of smack, man, like whoever your haters are, including your opponent, they're going to have something to say about it. So obviously from a medical standpoint, we hope he's okay, and I'm sure he will be. Um, he's a resilient and very tough guy. But but um, 
I saw people saying like, oh, it was really classless from Jorge. Dude, what is it you want from Jorge? These guys had talked a gang of shit about each other. It is nothing I would ever encourage any friend of mine to do if they ever fought in MMA. Uh, It is nothing I would ever encourage any child of mine to do if they played in any kind of sport. It is nothing I would ever encourage other people to do. But dude, (laughs) what are you expecting? What are you expecting? These guys got out there and said awful things about each other. They told you that it was real. And sometimes it absolutely is. And when it is and someone gets the upper hand of the other one, they're going to say something about it. I don't necessarily endorse it. I don't even think I like it, especially to the fact that he had knocked out uh, Askren, thrown the two extra shots, Herzog intervenes, and then you have him walk over and then get in his face and like tap on the on the canvas to, to say, hey, wake up, like taunting him like that. No, this is something I would never encourage. On the other hand, this is the <laughs> this is the game we're in, y'all. This is a bit of the game we're in. We are in a game where this is what people do to each other. And if you're not comfortable with it, again, I wouldn't want to see it every single time. Uh, When I say comfortable, I don't mean endorsing, but rather understanding that, dude, like, that's the reality of the fight business a little bit. If you want to win, this is why a lot of guys don't talk trash. In part because they don't want to be emotionally invested in that way. But the other part is like, it's a little bit of social and, um, you know, um, sport insurance against that kind of thing. Where if something bad happens to them, the whole world won't pile on top because they didn't, they didn't, they didn't uh, engage in behavior that would make folks want to do that kind of thing. This is, this is why they don't do it. It's, it's, it's a burden to wear in the lead up to the fight. And then it sort of protects you a little bit, um, after the fact, not totally, there's no way to really avoid it all, I suppose, but, but you get the idea. So, uh, I don't love it. I don't agree with it. It's again, it's nothing I would ever encourage, but like, am I going to sit here and say, Oh my God, Jorge Masvidal should be fined. Um, we should condemn him. Nah. Gyps fell where they may on this one. Y'all they're two grown adults. They both made choices here. To play that kind of a game, Ben has been poking the bear since the minute he came to the UFC. I think he understands there's a certain cost to be paid if this kind of a thing happens. He doesn't need me to go knight in shining armor defend him on this one. This is the reality of it. So, uh, you know, if he had, the only exception there would have been to me, I I always ask this, people always like, um, you know, uh, uh, what's a great, a good example of this? Someone will complain about some act in sports, and I'm always asking, like, what is the material cost? Like, what is, oh, oh, for example, like, um, someone hits a home run in baseball. If you guys don't watch baseball, apparently one of the big things is, let's say um, I hit a big home run, and uh, I take my bat and I flip it towards the dugout of the opposite team. Oh, this is considered to be highly contentious. This is even flipping the bat at all, much less towards the dugout of the opposing team, just flipping the bat. Like you're supposed to put the fucking bat down. Like it's, you know, like we're all in Japan bowing at each other or something. And my, my question has always been like, what's the material effect of flipping a bat? Nothing. There is none. You're just inheriting old baggage from an old sport that we don't need to listen to. 
what is the material effect of him taunting Ben? It's not a good look, and I think some people might sort of get a little bit turned off by it. So, okay. And by the way, if you do get turned off by it, I'm not here to talk you out of it necessarily. My only point being here is like really going after Jorge for it. I'm not sure I entirely understand. If he had gone after him to the point where like the referee intervened and he didn't st- take his foot off the gas, well, then we'd have a major problem. We'd have a very major problem. Like you can't fuck with the health when the referee intervenes. That that's a sacred line you just can't cross. But being an unsportsmanlike competitor in, in a situation where a ref where a, your opponent talked epic levels of shit, talking about how after beating Robbie Lawler, like the whole point of flying out to London was to was to uh, you know get in everyone's face and and pick fight. Dude, he picked a million fights, man. So, you know, that, that an opponent gleefully enjoyed viciously KOing him, these are costs that simply have to be paid. You don't have to like them. I'm not asking you to like them. I don't endorse them. But I take a really agnostic approach to them. Like, what should be done about it? Nothing. That's just, that's what two dudes who have real animosity are going to do. And there's nothing else to say about it. Now, let's talk about what it means for Jorge Masvidal first, your winner. Dude, Jorge Masvidal has been one of these guys who's had a reputation for a long time. I was there when he fought Ally Quinta at 155. Um, by the way, you can make an argument he won that fight, but neither here nor there. The point being is, Jorge Masvidal has had this reputation for a long time as a guy who was like, yes, street tough and all that kind of thing, but you know, very talented. Like, if you ask, like, what's Jorge Masvidal bad at? The answer was nothing. Even Ben heading into this fight. Was saying, yeah, his wrestling's good. Not good enough, but his wrestling is good. Like he, How many times has he talked about an opponent where he was like, oh, their wrestling is shit? Plenty. He didn't say that about Jorge Masvidal. No one says that about him. No one looks at what Jorge Masvidal does and says, oh, he's bad at boxing. Oh, his jiu-jitsu is just so terrible. Oh, he can't wrestle. Nobody says that. Everybody says he's good at everything. The problem was he just had these moments where he couldn't quite cross the finish line to match the reputation that he had um, relative to what people understood about his game. And in the last two fights, man, everything feels like it's changed with him. And you'll you'll note that he had talked about going on that kind of retreat where, I need to get more information about it, but he had gone on this retreat where he was, you know, you couldn't have a cell phone and you couldn't talk to anybody. You're just sort of really, for the really for the first time in your life, alone with your thoughts. If you think about modern life, like what's interesting about it, if you really wanted to, with a phone in your hand, with a charge, you could spend the entirety of your day never being alone with your with your thoughts. When you went to the bathroom, when you showered, the second you, except for sleeping, I suppose. But the rest of the time, you're never alone with your thoughts. And for the first time, he was. And I think he got in touch with him. And I don't know what it did to him, except it just, to me, it looks like he's finally, he finally gets how good he is for like the first time ever. Like, I think he always knew he was good. But I think now he realizes, no, no, he's really good. And there's this calm demeanor about it. But it's not calm as in pacifist it's calm as in I can be reasonable insofar as I need to be but if I need to be utterly mean and savage and frankly a little cold frankly a lot cold I can do that too I can dial that shit up 
as much. I don't know what he learned from his inner thoughts, but clearly it was you can calibrate the stove, right? We can put this on off, we can put it on one, or we can put that bitch on high, and we can cook off in here. And he has figured out that he doesn't need to be at nine all the time or or whatever the problem was exactly. But he just feels totally in touch with who he is. He feels, he, or he seems to be in um, complete command of the whole thing. And it's good to see, man. Like, Jorge, like, like why do you watch sports? Like, what, you, ever, you ever ask yourself that question? Like, why do I watch sports? And I know some of you probably are MMA fans who don't watch other sports, but I fucking love watching other sports, right? I mean, to me, there's nothing more interesting than watching, well, I'll say nothing more interesting, but like, who doesn't love athletic excellence? I love that shit. That's what you're like, Luke, why do you watch Zion Williamson? Because I like watching athletic excellence. It's why I like watching Strongman or Lasha Talahadze fucking snatch 221 in a training room. Um, it's why I like watching sprinting. It's why, why I, tomorrow you get the Women's World Cup final. You got Brazil versus Peru and Copa America. And then you got Gold Cup USA versus Mexico. I'm into all that shit. I'm into all of it. Why? Because I love watching athletic excellence. I'm, I'm into it. And part of what athletic excellence means is the fulfillment of potential. Like, I'm not a LeBron lover. I'm not a LeBron hater. But if he had never won a championship, that would have been something, like, bad. That would have been um, something missing, you know? How many he needs to win or whatever. But uh, I don't get into that. But then he won, and he won, you know... You know, more than once kind of matters to me. You love to see greatness fulfilled. Well, fucking Jorge Masvidal has not, up to this point, fulfilled his greatness potential. Well, it seems like he is bordering on that shit now. Because now, dude, Ben was coming into this fight hot. He was coming into this fight having turned the whole fan base towards him. And good for him, dude. I'm, I, there was nothing wrong with that in my in my judgment. And... There was a, you know, he had, remember he had retired from the sport, so he had come back and he was ready to rock. But here's the truth about Jorge. He had that fight against Till and he demolished him and then has that whole viral moment with the three-piece and the soda, then goes on Rogan and you could feel it turn for Jorge too, but Jorge just didn't get out there on social media and do all that chirping and he wasn't doing a ton of media stuff uh, as a consequence. He was real selective with it. And then he has this back-to-back viral KO moment, which I am certain is going to make it on SportsCenter. Like, dude, Jorge Masvidal's star is a... Like, forget just beating who you're supposed to beat. Jorge Masvidal's star potential and value has just risen through the ever-loving roof. I mean, you got to be kidding me, right? He is a massive star coming out of this shit. And he might get a title shot from this. I thought it was going to go to Ben. Jorge might have scooped that up, no problem. Um... I sort of lost my train of thought here, but you get the idea. It's the fulfillment of potential. It's really what I want to see. I want to see guys who are good. Whatever the chips fall at the end of that, how? what is your upper bound limit? Let's get you there. And then let's see sort of what happens uh, as a consequence. Jorge Masvidal might be your next title challenger. I guess we're going to have to see. Kamar Usman had a lot to say about it, I'm sure. Um, but... You, I, I'm sorry, man. If you were watching this dude back like I was, I have old Bodog fights on DVD 
without any sound on them. And he and yeah, Jorge Masvidal out there, you know, hitting switches off single legs and shit. Like, it's good to see a dude get this. Sorry, it is, man. It's good, and especially after it comes from like personal introspection. And uh, you know, if you don't fuck with Jorge, he doesn't really mess with you. You know, you poke the bear, he pokes back. Um, it's kind of good to see, to be honest with you. And look, if Ben had won, that'd have been good to see too, because the story there would have been. Well, here's a guy who retired, came back, look at him now, comes back in, Olympian, beats all these guys, and uh, gets a title shot and maybe even becomes champion. Like, that would have been a good story too, but it's not either or in this particular case. Like, Jorge, Jorge deserves this moment. I'm sorry, he does. Whatever your opinions about how he handled the end of this fight, it might have been ugly, but the game's ugly, y'all. <laughs> sorry, and this is a guy who has... You know, right to the limit and then dropped. And right to the limit and then dropped. And now it feels like he is just busting down that door. And good for him, man, because he is super skilled. And uh, I want to see greatness fulfilled. Whatever his upper bound limit is, I want to see it. And Ben, too. So I hope Ben can get a bit of a reprieve. It gives Colby Covington, uh, on the one hand, some breathing room. Because I thought that if Ben won, he was going to leapfrog him. Now the problem is Colby and Jorge are boys. And Jorge might leapfrog him. So (laughs) we're going to see how that goes. He's got his hands full August 3rd in the Prudential Center, boy. Ooh, that's going to be an interesting one. That is going to be a very, very interesting one, to put it mildly. Um, Okay. Let's do this. Uh, don't want to forget. I don't want to forget. If you're watching, uh, fuck, I can never remember which one it is. Yes, subscribe, donate. Very quickly, let me go through some of these results, and then I will get to your questions. Oh God, Jesus! Let me talk about this for just a second. Jan Blahovich defeating Luke Rockhold KO. Let me cop to something I think I've been wrong about. I, I was willing to give Luke Rockhold the benefit of the doubt that going to 185 was really the source of his issues as it related to uh, taking a big punch and not being able to deal with it. That appears to be uh, a a bit too charitable of a call. He had problems here as well. It looked to me pretty clear. His defense comes from his feet. So, like, as his feet are moving, he stays out of trouble. But when he stops moving the feet, like, there's no trunk movement, there's no head movement. And so, Blahovich set him on fire, dropped him with a left hook, and then finished him off. Um... I don't, I don't know exactly where he goes from here. This was supposed to be his coming out party. And frankly, if you think about it, given the way John had looked, if Luke Rockhold had looked amazing coming out of this, you'd have been like, shit, dude. Like, Luke Rockhold's got a really good chance, and all of that went up in smoke. Um, I think it's a little too premature to like close the book on what he can do at light heavyweight. But he looked really big. I wonder if he was a little too big. But to me, the issue is not that. To me, the, to me, the issue is trunk movement, head movement. And as long as his feet are moving, he he does great. But once that stops, oof. And you guys see Anthony Smith tweeting him with the Kermit the Frog sipping tea thing? Boy, not a good day uh, for him. And then Kiesa taking on Diego Sanchez, 30-26 across the board. It was big bank take, little bank. Kiesa was just ahead of him in every way. Um, I think Kiesa knew that like Diego Sanchez's final submission defense was so good 
that like you know you go for the arm bar you know you weren't going to finish it you go for the choke you're just going to put a lot of energy into something that's not really there um it's also funny like you know back in the day they used to teach this and then grab the bicep and then come through or like bring the hand up and now you're seeing guys put the hand here and then put the hand here and then the last step is they're connecting the bicep to the hand it's kind of funny just a real change in mechanics but it's actually the better one now of course um, that what you know, Michael Kiesa is doing the modern thing, but you know, Diego Sanchez, this whole thing, uh, you know, he had the quirky video, he, the interview he did, and and look, look, part of that could have just been that a senior fighter understands that what media day is all about, which is to hype a fight and say fun shit and get get a bunch of attention as a result, in which case, no harm, no foul. But he has historically taken either the most or the second most head strikes of any UFC fighter ever. And then on top of that, uh, he had one corner man. It should that there should be a rule. I think that you need to have two cornermen at all times. And then on top of that, the cornerman was like saying, you, you know, crack the coconut or show him the Tyson or like, which can sound like code, but to me just sounds like euphemistic bullshit. It it, it didn't. Diego Sanchez was not put in a position by his own choices and by others to win this fight. He was not put in a position to win. And to the extent that it's his responsibility, then he has to own up to that. But the commission has a responsibility here at least not put in a position for one guy to win over the other one, but to put a guy in a position where he at least has a fighting chance. Yes, the commission does have a responsibility there. I don't. I, don't, I think they failed in that responsibility here. I think they failed in there pretty clearly. Uh, real fast, Arnold Allen defeating Gilbert Melendez, 30-27 across the board. He just got pieced up. From pillar to post. Gilbert Melendez is one of the best lightweights ever. Has had titles he won. Has had epic rivalries. He is he hasn't won a fight since 2013 at UFC 166 against Diego Sanchez. Like it it is um he is he is nearing the end of the road. And that's okay. He has a career as a commentator already kind of set up and he's got a bunch of other things as an analyst, so good for him, but it's it's it, the, the end is near here. Uh, Marlon Vera defeating Nohalene Hernandez, rear naked choke. It was so weird. It was like kind of back and forth in that first round, second round anyway. Gets up, decides, throws the, the, the jump knee, switch, lands it, drops him, takes the back, throws the choke, uh, does it in transition. Amazing. Claudia Gadelia defeating Random Marcos. Real quickly, 30-27 across the board. I, I got a bunch of pushback because I said she had made a bit of a statement with this win. The statement is not that, oh my God, she can strike at K1 levels now. That's not the statement. The statement is, could she win a fight without relying on wrestling and getting tired? And you could say, well, she did it against someone who's not a great striker. I'm not suggesting that she did. I'm just suggesting as a first step, as a first step, this is a step in the right direction. Towards not overly relying on wrestling and not getting tired. If she can't build from here, then then this is not enough. But as a first step, it's perfectly suitable. Uh, Song Yedong defeating Alejandro Perez. Did you notice how quick his reaction time was? Like, what made, and I'm not saying that he's the same level, but what made uh, Jose Aldo so great is his, like, reactive decision-making skills. Song Yedong has, again, I'm not saying he's Jose Aldo, but he's got some of that kind of thing where he can make a read fast, fast, and then explode into something. Uh, Edmund Shabazi and just running through Jack Marshman. Joe Rogan was like, oh my God, he beat Jack Marshman, which is fine. He's a very credentialed opponent, but... Edmund Shabazian was as high as a minus 800 or more in certain places. He was expected to steamroll. Uh, Chance uh, uh, Rencounter, is that how you pronounce it? I'm not sure. Over Ismail Nardiev. 
27 on two, and then 29, or, or actually 29, 27, 30, 27, then 29, 28, but he got the job done. Um, was getting pieced up on the feet, especially with attacks to the body. I think volume attacks to the body and then the, the technical sophistication of body attacks have really gone up in MMA. But uh, he was the much bigger man, took the fight to the floor, realized he had an advantage there and just sort of kept there the whole time. And then Julia Avila, or Julia, whatever, defeating Pani Kianzad, 30-27, then two 30-26s. So great debut for her. Okay. All right. Let's do it very quickly. Subscribe, donate. Let's see what you guys got. Let's get to it now. All right. Bump, bada, bump, bump. Holy shit. There is a lot. Okay. Uh, will you be interviewing Amanda? She's hard to get a hold of. Um, Nina Ansaroff is her, I won't say her manager. But uh, is her gatekeeper, so to speak? Like, you have to get through Nina. And I have a good relationship with Nina, I suppose. But Amanda's hard to get to. I, I, I want to do less interviews now than I've ever wanted to do interviews in my life before. I, I have a real belief here in MMA media. I'm going to make a statement right now. And I'm going to stand by it 100%. 98 to 99% of the interviews that are out there in public in MMA media are absolutely phony. Or contain some version of phoniness deeply bled into it. There's virtually no honesty to any of these interviews whatsoever. Um, there are exceptions, uh, but they're extremely rare. I have just decided, at least for now, because until I can figure out how to solve the problem for myself, I do not have much of an interest in doing a bunch of interviews. Um, I would love to talk to a, any of these fighters in a candid way, but I don't think that that kind of thing really exists in MMA media very often. So I'm, I'm going to pull back until I can figure out what the solution to that is. So it says, Jorge is a very scary mf -er when you disrespect him. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he is not. Or he's very nice when you disrespect him. It's like, dude, these guys who come from rough backgrounds, man, like they don't, it's, it's, it, it, the Ben and Jorge thing reminded me a little bit of the Connor and Habib thing, which is to say, like, I think Connor treats a lot of it as like, this is a show, this is for fun, this not, some of it's probably serious, but a lot of it's probably not, but Habib didn't see it that way, and I don't necessarily endorse that worldview, but what am I going to do, talk him out of it? That That's the way he sees the world, because the place in the world he comes from, that is the world um, for those people. It's the same thing with Jorge, it's like, where he comes from, dude, you talk like that, that... That means something. And again, I don't endorse honor society shit where like what you say about a person matters. Like you should have dignity. Uh, your dignity is not reliant upon someone else's endorsement of it. But I can't talk these guys out of it. That's that's where they come from. So if you're going to play that game with them, <sighs> you know, bad things are going to happen. Uh, it's just the way it goes. How would you fancy Masvidal's chances against Usman or even Woodley? Woodley, maybe I like a little bit more. Uh, Usman, I don't know. If you if you talk to the fight metric guys, what they'll tell you is um, anytime Masvidal has had his offense compromised, it's when he gets sort of spammed from opposition with takedown attempts. Uh, so it really would depend on that. Usman can spam. Usman can go for takedown attempts without getting tired. I don't think Woodley c could. So... Masvidal's chances I like a little bit more in that regard. Against Usman, 
It's a little harder to say. A little harder to say. Luke, is Jorge finally getting a title shot? What more does a man have to do? Bro, he might. <laughs> he might, man. That was a hell of a win, dude. Five second. Five second win. Ugh. He might, man. He really might. That is going to be extremely interesting to see. Uh, someone dropped a hundred fucking bones on this one. Jorge Masvidal by absolute murder, he wrote. This comes from Light INC. Well, thank you, sir. That goes a long way. I really appreciate that. How do you say uh, Ma- uh, Masvidal versus Usman playing out? Man, that's a great question. If you know, if, if Usman's pressing him up against the fence constantly, I think it's hard for anybody, Masvidal or anybody else, to win. You know, Masvidal in space, he can do it all. He can do it all. So, the question there would be: To what extent can Masvidal keep it in space? Um, I'd love to talk to him about it. Masvidal's a guy you could do an interview with, because I don't think he gives you a ton of bullshit. I really don't. He he he, like he would give you a real interview. Um. So be on the lookout for anybody who could talk to Masvidal. Would love a Monday morning analyst from that main event. Really? I don't think the main event was that great. Um, AK Baker says, thanks for all you do, Luke. Thank you, AK. Tiago Santos has Soil Work logo on his right shoulder. Why doesn't he use their music as an entrance song? I don't know. I don't know who the fuck that is. Soil work. Oh, it's some metal band. Um, only question ha- is, how has your mental health been <laughs> since dropping MMA Hour and Beat? Hope you're well. I never felt better. I haven't felt this good in a long time. I needed to, I needed that. So um, I was happy to have the opportunity. Don't misunderstand me, but just as happy to move along. Uh, okay, Jesus Christ, another person dropping a fucking hundred bones. Y'all are bringing the heat today. Just want to thank you for all the work. I truly appreciate it. I love hearing your takes. All the best going forward, my friend. Thank you, Corrupted. Salute, bitches. God damn. You know what I, uh, I'm i having tonight? You guys ever had, um, you ever heard of, uh, there's this Colombian rum. It's very good, and you have to get the nice version of it. It's called Dictador, which means dictator. It's dictator in Spanish. Uh, Dictador used to be hard to get in the United States. You could get it in like Miami or New York or LA. I think you can get it everywhere now. But uh, there's this word. I don't know if they, my, my wife taught it to me. Here's a little word for you guys. I don't know if this exists in other countries. Um, but there's a word in Colombian Spanish called guizo or giza. It means like, what do you want to say? Like the people who... The people who roll up to the club with the Escalade, with like the spinning rims, like overly showy, but like, you know, like new money in a way, you know? And you look at the, you look at the box that a Dictador bottle comes in and it's like, don't get me wrong, the quality of the, of the, of the booze is good. But then the bottle, like the, the box says like, everyone has a little Dictador in them. It's like... The fuck? Everyone has a little dictator in them? What the fuck's that supposed to mean? And then it looks like a cologne ad where everyone's like getting out of a pool and all their hair slicked back. Super Giza. Super Giza. But uh, it's good. All right. Thanks for the content, says David Sandine. Hope you had a good fourth. Going to miss Monday Morning Analyst. P.S. Maybe watch yourself around that Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> yeah, I'll do my best. 
Luke, I've been watching for a couple years now. I would like to donate more if I could afford to. Don't worry. Uh, uh, 50 cents, man, is, again, over the. it's not individually every one of these things that I do is like where that matters. It's over the course of a year. that It begins to add up. Uh, Usman versus Colby or Jorge. I still believe y'all going to kill me for this. But I think if Colby beats Robbie, he should get the title shot, just from a meritocratic standpoint. But y'all can read the tea leaves like I do. Jorge is on a fucking rocket ship. If he wins, bro, it's a wrap, man. He's going to, or sorry, um, he already won. If there's any kind of way that, that Colby doesn't just go out there and then demolish Robbie or the timeline doesn't work, like, dude, they're going to give it to Jorge. Uh, let's see. Q of the good work. Greatest of MMA donks says Joan Lacerda Oliveira. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Please forgive me. Lamumba Kafra says, where do you rank this card against all the other UFCs? Ah, if the main event had delivered, man, we're talking about one of the best main cards in UFC history. How about Masvidal? That is one of the, that's that. I mean, if that's not your KO of the year, I don't know what is to beat. The fastest KO in UFC history that came from a grudge match with title shot implications. How how, how are you going to beat that? Boy, you better have a motherfucking KO to beat that. Um, Spencer P. had a donation. David Denzio had a donation. Brett Shillington had a donation. Do you think Funky Ben may have been seriously injured after he was KO'd? I certainly hope not. Uh, we'll see what the, the medical report is after the fact. Uh, Cynthia Ticas gave a donation. Felipe Rios says Rockhold's Chin at 205 is a horror movie. Well, it's not a horror movie, but it's, it is, um, it, that is not the answer to the problem is going up the weight class. The answer appears pretty, pretty clearly to be that there's a lack of movement. Uh, Joe. Macchioni, I could be mispronouncing that, says, no matter the network, we follow you. Thanks for all you do. Thank you, John. I appreciate that, my friend. Uh, Luan says, do you think these three consecutive fights in a short period of time could have had an impact on Jones's performance? Because there were way less surprises. Not so much for the Gustafson one, which to me was one of his best ones ever. But the last two, maybe. Maybe he needs some time off. Maybe like now he's had three in seven months. I'd like to see him take some time off. Uh, from this one, yeah, for sure. I thought the opposite. I thought if he stayed active, it would just add on top of the other one, but that's not actually what's happened. Why are there no adult wrestling schools like there are for BJJ schools? I know there's a school system, but wouldn't it be a great business opportunity for former wrestlers to open up schools like many BJJ World ADCC champs do? So two responses to that. That's actually not true. Depending on where you live, if you live in a major metropolitan area, there actually are adult wrestling clubs. Um, you should go look it out. Um, so go check that out. Not every community will have one, but it's actually not true that like you, the, it doesn't exist in the same way that it does for BJJ, where you could have like 20 schools in a city or more. No, it's not that. But are there adult wrestling clubs? Yes, there are, number one. Number two, remember, um, you have to go check this out individually, but there might be BJJ schools in your local neighborhood that employ former wrestlers to teach like a wrestling class. So you could just get your wrestling that you would probably need there. Because remember, if you go to the wrestling club, you're going to learn wrestling for wrestling. 
if you go to the BJJ school, you're going to learn wrestling for nogi, wrestling for MMA. So decide which one you actually kind of want. Um, Steve says, pay $2 to say this, so I'll read it out. Luke Thomas, how's it feel to be finished by Chael? Oh, I think I won that one pretty handily. Um, Cynthia, I had Jones winning 4-5, Santos 1-2-5. I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. Uh, Nick says, I know Jorge won the fight. I couldn't help but feel like winning that fast doesn't really give you an idea of who the better fight is. Lack of sportsmanship really sucked too. Ruined the fight for me. Thoughts? Uh, The sportsmanship does not, or the lack thereof, does not ruin it for me. However, Nick, you do make a good point, which is how would it have gone if it had gone longer? And, And it's actually a reasonable question. The only problem is there's no way we're going to know. There's, It's one of those situations where like the question is entirely fair, but if you get knocked out like that, they'll never run it back anytime soon. It would take moving heaven and earth to get that run back. So no, um, it's just going to be what it's going to be. Should Tiago Santos be next for John Jones? He just was. Uh, how long do you think Ben will be out? One year or two? Uh, I don't really want to speculate. I feel like it's a little bit unfair. Uh, David Lim gave a donation, and then 916Monkey says, Did you read the Killing the King piece by John Jones by Jack Slack? I've not. I've not. I need to. I need to. Someone says, Santos, one, two, five for me. Would have loved to see him run it back. Fair enough. What's next for Ben Askren? That was insane. My wife and I are big fans. Keep cranking out the best MMA media content. Well, thank you, a regular dude. Time off. That was a really, really, really bad KO where he got transported to the hospital after the fact, had to get helped onto the stool. The, the good news is they didn't bring in the stretcher, but it's one below that. Um, so time off. And so after that, probably somebody at either the bottom of the top 10 or outside the top 10. But that was bad, man. That was really, really bad. Uh, should MMA go to five judges? I get questions like this where he says 12 rounds from Nathaniel uh, with three judges just doesn't translate to five rounds, three judges, let alone three rounds. The variance of judges is mitigated by the number of rounds. Fewer rounds, more judges, in my opinion, had Santos three to two. By the way, again, can't argue with the scorecard. Here's the point about that. Like, would adding more judges fix the problem? And I know some smaller promotions have experimented with it. This is the point that I've made. There's no way to know the answer to that without that theory or hypothesis anyway being tested. When the UFC self-regulates, they have an opportunity to test these kinds of questions. And I don't know how many samples they'd have to collect in order to get to a position where they could make some kind of definitive call about that. But if you're asking me, like, is that the best answer? Dude, that might be the best answer. But until it is tested, there is simply no way to know. There's simply no way to know. Someone says, huge fan of Luke, paying this tip so I never have to read this garbage chat again. Yes, don't read the chat. There's no need. Uh, Jeremy says, Luke, could could this be more confidence of the overall craziness? John supposedly no longer does recreational drugs. Had to be a factor. I don't know. That's that's asking about something. Uh, Luke, what's your ideal way to smoke weed? In a bowl. I'm not much of a bong guy. Uh, Actually, if you're asking me in in all all sincerity, uh, I prefer edibles over, over almost anything. Someone says, uh, my first time watching you, I didn't like it, but you have become my favorite YouTuber ever. Thank you. You're a beast. Thank you, Lamumba. Lamumba, you should know, the first time my wife met me, she hated me. The first time my friends met me, they hated me. I make 
terrible first impressions, but I'm pretty good at winning people over over time. Uh, Craig says, can't wait to see what's next, sir. Monday, got a big announcement Monday. You guys featured my call on the MMA Hour. Always thankful. Meet and greet next time in Chicago. Yeah, sure. I'll do a tweet up tweet next time I go in Chicago. Where does Nunez go from here? Uh, well, Cyborg's fight against uh, Felicia Spencer is the last one on her deal. So I don't know where they're going to go with this one. The, again, the only fight that really intrigues me is a third fight with Valentina Shevchenko, but she's back down at flyweight. So fuck if I know. Uh, what do you think of Okamoto's tweet from Dana White? Didn't see it. Uh, Bernard says, Luke, we met a couple of years ago. Is this person trolling? At the Grand D stop in lower Manhattan. It was sticky and smelly and there were rats aplenty. Just wondering how responsible Luke Rockhold is to the state of his chin. Um, yeah, it's, it's his, it's his, whatever his natural ability is to absorb or not absorb a shot, uh, that's one thing he is not in control of. The thing he is in control of is the other stuff about defense that I have highlighted. Nunes, top five pound for pound goat regardless of gender. I'd agree with that. How do I donate in shillings? You don't. Does it seem as if Jones has missed a step or did Santos just put on a great performance? Probably both is my hunch. Probably both, but we'll have to see. Santos would have won if he did not tear his ACL. He might have won even with it. I wouldn't really argue with a Santos scorecard. I honestly wouldn't. Uh, regular dude says, Santos won at least three rounds. He landed the most significant shots. Hate to be that guy, but this was a robbery. Not a robbery. Anytime it's close, it's not a robbery. But um, unsatisfying? Yeah, absolutely that. In a sport where the most prominent reporter openly campaigns to cover another sport, which is the NBA, what would be your preferred non-MMA thing to cover? Movies? Um, well, that's without knowing how the industry there works. So, uh, I'd say politics, but that's not true. Um, strength sports? Yeah, I would love to cover strength sports. But, it's fine. Who's the best-looking female fight in the UFC? Can't answer that one. Thanks for all the great work you do from Alex Arthur. No question, just appreciate the post-fight chats. Well, thank you, Alex. Justin says, uh, when does John go to heavyweight? I don't think anytime soon. I can. I, this fight gave me a better appreciation of that than anyone. Uh, Harsha, just giving up two bucks for appreciation. Thank you. Uh, should Ben Askren and Luke Rockhold retire? The Luke Rockhold one's a little more, more interesting, but I'm going to say no to both. Did you think Diego Sanchez has CTE? Do you feel bad for him? Um, there are. I'm not willing to make any kind of medical diagnosis because Lord knows I am woefully ill-equipped to do anything close to that. Are you asking me, do I have concerns about the accumulative amount of head trauma he's taken in his career? Yes, of course. Do you feel bad for him on certain capacities? Yes. How is no one in Diego's life saving him from himself? Because it's not as easy as people think it is to talk a fighter out of doing these kinds of things. It's just not that simple. Um, these guys are going to do what they want to do with their lives, and I don't know how you talk them out of it. Holy fuck, man. There are a million of these fucking questions. So let me rifle through these. My God. All right. Um, 3027 Askren got robbed. Rockhold was an early stop. That's funny. Are there any early UFC men's fighters who defeated all their previous champions like Nunes has done? Not like this. 
Jones is the first to sort of just really dive through and take over people. Dana White just burned Rockhold equals broken jaw. Second time should hang it up. He's a model and not many have a good second job. Is that what he said? I didn't see it. What is the what is the Okamoto tweet? Let me see from Dana. Brett Okamoto. Well, fucking Dana blocked me on Twitter, so I can't even see it. Let's see. Uh, Dana said, anyone who scored that main event for Tiago Santos should never judge a fight again, which since I, he goes, since I scored it for Santos. <laughs> uh, what's the other one here? Hang on. Uh, no, the rest of them, there's nothing there. Okay. That's funny as shit though. I, I, I didn't score for Santos, but I scored it for John, but I wouldn't be mad at one. Do you think it'd take a specialist like Mackenzie Dern would have the best chance of beating Nunes? She doesn't have the physicality to hang with Nunes. No, it would not. If you had someone who was like a super physical beast, maybe. Uh, someone says, I'm close to D.C. When can we get a lift in? Never. The Harvey Weinstein dude gave me five bucks, so thanks. Salo Garcia says, Nate and Habib got into it after the main event. Any thoughts? I thought they got into it before the main event, and I, from what I saw, it didn't look like much. Uh, Edwin says, thank you for the content. Thank you, Edwin. Uh, Zaldivar says, after a five-second KO, how big was the smile on Dana's face? I, I don't agree. I mean, look, I'm sure he's happy that uh, Jorge has turned into a star, but I think they were ready to turn Askren into one, too. So I don't. It's, it was either or they were set up to win there. What in the world is up with the commentating? I don't really listen to much of the commentating. I, mean, I, I keep it on. I hear some of it, but I don't pay too much attention to it. Uh, Shamrock Show, thanks for, me for the content. Did you see Nate and Habib get into it? A little bit. Did Tiago play it too safe when someone's injured like that? I don't know what you can really say. Uh, Lemon Loaf thanks me. Thank you, Lemon Loaf. Corrupted says, here's another 50. Thank you. Super happy to see me refreshed. Yeah, man. Not going to New York two times a week is saving my life. Literally, and my marriage, too, man. And my friendships and, like, my health. Like, everything. Where does John go from here? we kind of been over this a little bit. Uh, okay. Masvidal's bad sportsmanship for me made the KO even better. Ben talked mad shit and got what he deserved. It was satisfying to watch, this person says. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know if I got any satisfaction from it, but, like, it's the game he played, dude. It's the game he played. Do you think John Jones was afraid of Tiago's power? Yes. If you were Santos, would you have gone for broke in the fifth round? Easy to say when someone has a, you know, go for more, but he's got a fucked up knee. With respect to Jorge and Mike, can you admit Florida's great? They got some good fighters. They got some good fighters. All right. I have gone way too long. Way too long. Thank you to everybody who donated. Thank you to everybody who watched. Subscribe. Uh, no need to donate anymore, but thank you so much for watching. I'm not sure when the next one of these uh, will be. Certainly UFC 240, but maybe before that as well. But at a bare minimum, Monday. Big announcement. Uh, yeah, it's a big announcement, so you're going to want to hear it if you care at all about what the fuck I'm doing. So if not, you don't. it's not very big, but if you do, it's pretty big. So until then, thank you guys so much for watching. Get some sleep.